Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. Today is another special episode because I have a friend of mine, uh, an excellent just all-round guy. He does many different things. His name's Aaron Wise, and you might know, might know, might know him, Jesus, off to a great start, uh, as Trial by Fire. He's a VFX artist, a games developer, a YouTuber, Twitch streamer, all-round just content creator, gaming dude. There's a lot of things, a lot of pies he has his finger in. <laughs> in any case, welcome to the show, Aaron. How you doing, mate? Good. Fine, thank you very much for the introduction, and uh, good job. I got eight fingers for all these pies on him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does blow my mind, like how many how many things you you've done and that you're currently doing. And obviously, we're going to go through all of those through the course sure. of this. But I kind of wanted to start with this because I've always wanted to ask you about this, and I wanted to ask you about this when we did the TCJ podcast. Um, I don't know if I was ever. I didn't really ever have a plan. I think me and Jacko kind of discussed the idea of doing a podcast about you one time, like actually, okay. you know, some sort of oh, okay. thing. Yeah. And then I just kind of at some point wanted to just do a general video with you. And then finally, after all this time, you're here. And uh, again, for those who, who might not be familiar, um, myself, Trial by Fire and Childish Jacko used to do a podcast together. And um, yeah, we had like a little bit of a good run. It was fun. And um, yeah, we, we had a lot of ideas during that time. And one of the things that I always kind of found fascinating about you is that you were or are, I don't know what, where the case may be with this, but um, a VFX artist. And uh, I wanted to, okay, I know very little about this. So I'm not going to pretend to know. I'm just going to kind of hand it to you. But in terms of my question, what exactly did you do in this role? And what kind of projects did you work on? Like anything we'd be familiar with or... What's the deal? Um, so the company I worked for, Milk, obviously I don't work there anymore, but <clears throat> they ranged in a variety of different sort of uh, mediums. And um, you'd have radio, you'd have TV adverts, you'd have movies, uh, you'd have independent movies. And essentially what we would do is we'd all kind of be given a project and it might just be some simple things like um, add in some, I don't know, lens flares or add in some um, smoke effects, you know, or, and then it went to the complete extreme. Like we might have to do some chroma key, which is like the green screen that you'll see where it cuts out the background and adds something else, blue screen, silver screen, um, all those different sort of things. And it would just be kind of dependent on what the client wanted. Right. So some of it was just generally very, very simple. Some of it was either a little bit more complex um, I hadn't been there sort of too long. I think it was just over a year. It was like 15 sort of ish months. Um, but obviously I'd taken what I'd kind of learned just from being me, I guess, and um, sort of applied for the role. I started off at like junior level and just kind of worked my way up. Not, not very far, obviously, but um, just worked on some stuff. Um, noticeably, I guess the, the, the last... <clears throat> thing that I worked on I guess which was the big one and it's it's nothing fantastic by the way was the latest Bond movie and it was literally just doing <laughs> <laughs> nothing fantastic literally just a few smoke effects and some of cool. the um title se- uh, the title sequence stuff at the beginning but that was it wowza man and this yeah. this is the one that hasn't been released yet right correct it's been pushed back again so that's yeah. amazing I think that's uh, just on a side note by the way I just think that that is unprecedented for any movie I've ever seen. Because obviously, typically in the movie industry, you always, you know, film the movie the year before and then release it 
the year mm-hmm. after. So I've never genuinely never seen a movie where this has been the case where it's finished production and then it's released two years later. <laughs> like, what? yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of money riding on this one. So because of that, I can yeah. see why they want as many people in the theaters as possible. And then obviously with this whole Cineworld stuff, uh, it's been a, like a massive blow. Um, I kind of felt like maybe they should take the kind of Disney approach where they sort of charge you a one-off fee and you can watch it from your house. Um, the thing is, though, obviously, it's a lot cheaper than going to the cinema. I think it's mm. like £20, but you could like get your whole family in for that. And I think at Cineworld, if you want to take your whole family, I know it was with me and my wife and three children, it's the high end of the 50s. So, I mean, it's a pretty good deal, but I guess they want to try and recoup as much money as possible. We've spoken about the the film industry before, oh, sorry, the cinema industry before. I, th- I think we did... Uh possibly on tcj at one point and that that was ages ago so we did that episode back in what like oh, april something like that something like that april may yeah yeah and it's funny how you know the more things change the more they stay the same because obviously recently i think it's either cine world or one of the other ones uh closed down um both yeah. in the uk and the us was it cine world or was cine it world yeah it was yeah. okay and obviously cine this world, is a big deal because they had like about 100 and 27 branches in the uk and the us it's huge um do, do you think this is kind of because we we like i said we briefly spoke about this before about like you know where the future is kind of headed for the cinema industry but do you think it's like this is kind of like signaling the end or do you think it's just this one particular company that can't hack it but like the others will be all right or, or what do you think <clears throat> So I think Cineworld have kind of like, if I remember correctly, what they've done is it's just, it's a good sort of 250-ish locations across oh, UK and USA. Yeah. No, no, but across both countries, but it's like 40,000 employees. And yeah. the reason they've done this is before they go into administration, they called it, what did they call it? Like winter hibernation. Um, they don't really have many new releases over sort of Christmas period. You always find it's like that typical Christmas movie. Yeah, you know, there's yeah, never yeah. really any big sort of blockbusters. So I'm kind of hoping that not when this blows over, because obviously we don't know how long the pandemic's going to go on for, but I feel like they've done this in a way because I know that they're planning on coming back at some point. Um, the only other thing I could suggest that maybe they do as a kind of business model, not that we need another one of these, but their their whole, uh, not really a gimmick, but their whole sort of idea behind why people would be really excited to do this, because I know I certainly would, was people like Cineworld should probably start their own streaming service where you pay a monthly subscription, but then you get access to those new movies that would you would normally go and see in the cinema. Yeah, I think so that's a solid idea. That, that could be something because, you know, they, they try to open these theatres safely. You've got to think about the fact that you've got to do the two metre distance rule and then you've got to, but then you've obviously got the horizontal and your vertical way, the way it goes backwards and forth. So you're probably losing more than 50% of your seating area in, in that sort of respect. So they're probably not making nowhere near as enough money, even if they did stay open. So it's probably one of those things they did because it was just not viable enough to pay all those people, keep the place open. Um, so I hope they come back because I do enjoy the cinema and that experience. But if they if they really wanted to sort of carry on making money, then I suggest that that would be an idea to go down. Yeah, I agree with you. And it, to be honest, I've, I've felt since the beginning of this pandemic that opening cinemas 
is just a bad idea. I think there are certain places you can open safely and others you can't. And I'll explain the reason in a second. If you have like a sporting venue, like let's say you open like a football stadium, but you run it at like 20% capacity, you can do that. You can do it safely. Everyone's outdoors. Chances of transmission are much much lower plus you can you know you can take advantage of all the different exits and stuff there's there's a way you can do it with cinemas you know i went to the cinema one time during this pandemic uh, i took a risk it was a massive risk uh to see tenet because obviously as you know i was, I was part of that yeah. movie and that's the only reason i i went i was like do you know what i gotta see this movie you know i was in it it's a big deal for me Blah blah yeah. blah. But I realized it was a risk and it I didn't realise like quite how much of a risk it was until afterwards. So obviously, you know, they as you say, they put all of the stuff in place, you know, you have your social distancing. Uh, I think in this they, if there was fifty seats, there's probably no more than about twenty people there, probably more seats. But it basically like only like a, a fourth of the capacity was full. Yeah. Um but here's the deal Tenet is a three hour movie. And um, everyone has to wear the mask during the whole movie, right? And obviously, if you have, like, food and drink, you can take it off to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but point is, it's a three-hour movie. And um, the doctors that I've spoken to about this say that your mask is effective for about 45 minutes, right? That's how long you've kind of got in an indoor space um, before it's, like, not really as effective anymore. Yeah. So if you think about that logically, you know, you've, you're in a cinema um it's three hours you've got recycled air because of you know the air conditioning if you're gonna catch it that's like a hot spot to catch it and i remember mm -hmm. talking to a doctor about this after i'd seen the movie and i mentioned that i'd gone to the cinema and he kind of looked at me in that sort of like he stopped what he was doing and looked in a kind of not in a horrified way but in a kind of like <laughs> oh fuck it's run for the door well you know in a kind of like that was a risk and luckily yeah. i'm fine i'm healthy and everything but I think that's a very important point about all of this is, you know, if, if you're, if you're in any kind of indoor area for a sustained period of time, you're at far more risk than you are outside. And if you bring yeah. that back to like cinemas again, you know, for example, you can, you can have outdoor cinemas. This is something you can do. This is something that they have spoken about. They are doing, but if we really want to replace it and do it in a safe way, you can do stuff like that. You know what I mean? I feel like it, it's, it's not so much a case of just opening up things as they were before. I think it's because we can't really do that. I think it's more about, you know, you've got to strategize and think of a clever way to do this that is still going to protect people, but still allow you to run your business. first. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, let's bring, let's bring it back to you, man. So, Obviously, as I mentioned, you started with VFX stuff, but you've always kind of been dabbling in games and uh, we'll get to obviously your YouTube and all the other things that you do. But sure. the biggest part of your life right now, which is really exciting, is that you're involved in games developing. You're a games developer. So when did you actually start kind of dabbling with this? Because I obviously met you, I want to say the tail end of last year. I can't remember the exact time, but roughly around that point. And I yeah, think yeah, back th back then, yeah, you you had an interest in it, but I I never heard of you like actively doing it at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and then I later realised like you have a real talent for it. So it's like clearly there's got to be some sort of thing where you've done this years before, or you've got a talent, or you've studied, or something like that. When when did this start? Um, 
So I think I started in around March this year. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, it's I've been doing that about seven months now. And okay. um, no background, no study, uh, no nothing. I um, am incredibly fortunate to be kind of involved with people that have been doing it for years. Um, obviously, um, you know Vidas. Yes. And obviously, uh, there's Matt Reeves. Um, both have both been very, very good with me and giving me their time and knowledge and passing on, uh, you know, uh, things, skill sets that I could learn. And so, obviously, I started off with Unity, uh, which is very sort of C sharp based, like coding. And um, that's probably the only background kind of thing I had in it. Like, I knew a little bit of code to sort of kind of get me through. And um, I was able to produce my first game, uh, which is the construct, which is like a short, um, old text school based text based horror sci fi adventure sort of thing, which did all right, you know. Um, and then I kind of moved over to Unreal Engine because they use a thing called Blueprint, which is where you don't have to have any coding knowledge. Um, you literally just connect the dots to what you want it to do. Like, so for example, um, there's a button on a menu you'd on clicked drag it over to open level and it opens that level it's, just, it's that simple um so it's just about making sure that all your references match up and you want them to do something and they work um the the, t the other kind of side of that logic is the things that are more difficult so like blender which is the 3d modeling tool that i use it's free um a lot of people in the industry use it um but that's where i make all my models for my games or you know you can buy assets, download assets and stuff that people have already made, as long as they're free to use. Um, you can just literally plonk them into your scene and do. And then you've got the animation side of thing, which is obviously the hard bit because you literally have to create a skeleton for that model, and then you have to pose it and model it and keyframe it. So think of it like stop motion animation, mm. where you would move it a frame and then you like keyframe it move it again keyframe it until you get that kind of nice fluid moving motion type thing so there's that side of it as well um so it's incredibly complex um stuff but as i said thankfully to these guys um they give me uh a ton of the time you know if i ever have any questions i feel like lately i've been a lot more solo on these things like i don't really ask as much anymore um, but I obviously recently had the uh, pleasure of joining Vidas' studio, uh, Vidas Games, and I'm now working with them as well as doing a couple of solo projects, such as my Screen Jam game that's coming out this Friday, coming in six days' time. Yeah, so uh, obviously a lot to unpack there. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you for sharing. Um, that yeah, I mean you've you've touched on a lot of points that I have written down here. Let's talk about Vidas Games, uh, Vidas Games. Sorry, real quick. Sure. Uh, obviously, we both know Vidas, and um, yeah, he's been a games developer for many years. Um, tell us more about, you know, how this came about and what your role is there exactly. So I guess it all kind of started uh, last year when I was first introduced to him through Matt, because obviously Matt's the guy I met first. And um, we just kind of instantly hit it off. We're both memers. Um, you know, we both like the same sort of taste in music. We both love horror. So obviously we instantly hit it off and we've just been sort of talking ever since. And I think it was one night earlier in that sort of beginning of this year. It might have been late. Yeah, it must have been late, late February, uh, mm. uh, mid February, where he was just like, give it a shot, man. Just just go for it. You know, and I was like, yeah. And so I downloaded Blender 
And I thought, yeah. I need to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to need to learn how to do 3D modeling. And I remember literally sitting up all night. Like, I did not sleep. I literally, all night, I was in Blender, and I made a donut. Yeah, I saw and, that. I remember yeah, that. I remember the donut, yeah. That was and I made incredible. a donut. Yeah, and I, um, I'm, you know, I gave it the layers. I gave it the texture. Um, I, you know, I moved it all around. It had the pink, pink glossy, like, um, what's it called? That's the icing kind of stuff yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, um, And then I completely rendered it into a 3D image, moved the light around and stuff, and it just looked amazing. And I was like, holy shit, I love this. This is great. And then the rest is kind of history, really. And then um, I guess because now that I've got, these two games underway and they've done generally pretty okay, I guess, by anyone's first game standards, yeah. you know, they've, they've made triple figures in terms of like over a couple of hundred pounds, you know, in, in terms of people downloading and buying them. Um, you know, I just kind of got that level of confidence. I've done quite well. And he was just like, you want to join the team? You know, I've seen what you do. And um, I, th- I think, you know, we'd, we'd make some great stuff together. So I was just like, mate you had me a hello kind of thing you know so um yeah i joined what was it now a couple of weeks ago and um we're working on a few projects obviously which i cannot unfortunately talk about but my general role there is modeler um animator anything he needs doing really i'm even doing some audio stuff as well um but yeah no it's good i'm glad to see what um to be part of the team and I'm, i'm looking forward to seeing what we all come up with yeah again congratulations on this you know i was really made up for you when i saw this announcement i thought it you know it made sense because obviously you guys were friends anyway and you know not to kiss your ass too much but you are fantastic at this games development and stuff like oh, for any for anyone that isn't aware of of like what what um what aaron does make sure after this podcast that you go and check out his stuff because it's fantastic and, and they're free. It, it, it blows my mind that you only started this in march because I mean, okay, I don't, I know nothing about games development, but like everything that you do seems very professional at a professional level. Do you know what I mean? And you know, like for instance, I, I remember while while you were talking, there, I remembered that time when you showed me this app thing that you had where you could scan things in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was so amazing. Like, obviously, it's probably a pretty common piece of technology we have now, but you'd scanned in. I remember like a some sort of outdoor sofa or something, and you put it yeah. in the game. And it just, it looked fantastic. And I, I, yeah. was, I was blown away by how you can just take a real life item, stick it in the game and, and kind of like, it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't look like, you know, doesn't get kind of lost in, in the process of rendering or whatever, you know, it, it looks legit, it looks good, right? Um, and yeah, I, I digress. I, I, I just thought that was really good. But obviously bringing it back to Vidas, you've told me a lot about, you know, because I'll, I'll be honest, the first time I heard of him, I, t- I looked at his website and everything. My impression yeah. was, oh, this guy's like just starting out making games. Uh, you know, I didn't really know much. And then you've kind of over the course of this year told me about like how well his games are doing, you know, who's playing them. Like, for instance, if you go on Vidas's Twitter, he's got like a ton of followers now. And it's all because people are playing his games. There's a buzz being created about it. And, yeah. you know, clearly well money's being made things are going well so when you join that team i'm like uh-huh okay this is beginnings of good stuff for aaron this is a, a yeah. you know and like i think it's awesome as well yeah that you're making your own games obviously you mentioned that you, you made the construct which i played so if you go on my main channel there's a video of me playing that game so excellent like really really simple game um as i as i mentioned to you 
uh, in a private conversation, I, I felt that it was very much like a throwback to like those old, very old, like text-based games yeah. in like the eighties, but also it kind of weirdly reminded me of those like fantasy book games, which it's this exactly might sound, what I was going for. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds sad or weird probably to anyone that was, didn't grow Choose up. Choose your own adventure kind of thing. It, it was genuinely, it was actually really fun. If you were a kid growing up in the nineties and you had one of those fantasy books, I mean, sometimes you could have a dice with it as well, but I felt that that was, that was a bit too over the top, I think. Yeah. But you, you, yeah, basically the point was, based on your decisions it would take you to different parts of the book and the story would unfold accordingly so it's basically like a very early form of like rpg in a sense in the sense that you have like kind of choice over the decisions and you can choose to be a good guy a bad guy whatever um so this yeah i'd love to see more stuff like that from you i think that was really cool um also you've recently just dropped a game called hell's gate which is a platformer and yep. uh, just very cool from the get-go. It's got great music, really kind of interesting colors and stuff. And obviously it's like a game around hell, so it's all kind of like a bit crazy. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're about to drop a game very soon, if I, if I recall correctly. Is that yes. true? So when can we expect this game to drop? Tell us a bit more about um, So it, it will be this Friday. So I recently took part in a game jam, which game is where you get a very sort of tight time frame to make a game as best you can. Um, teams can enter or you can do it solo. Um, so I decided to put all my skills to the test because up until this point, I had had an unlimited amount of time to make something and you know get it right um and this one i've had 10 days so that's 10 days to do level design modeling which i've done all of the models this time there's no assets in this game um all of the audio all of the animation absolutely everything um so it's coming along very very well i'm probably i would say ahead at this point because i'm panicking because uh i don't want this to be one of those things that i don't manage to get done in time so there's no restrictions on when you can work on it from say like this time to this time, you've just got 10 days to make a game. You can stay up all 10 days if you really want to. Um, so yeah, it will be out on this Friday and it's called what is that? And it's my first, I guess, proper horror game. Right. So basically by the time this podcast comes out, the game will have already been out for a while and everything. Yeah. But when this clip drops, it will be out. It will be the day <laughs> yeah. of it dropping. So, uh, Yes. <laughs> if I had a person to do clips for me, I would say clip that, but uh, it'll be me clipping that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, talk to us a little bit about this game. Like, what, what can people expect from this without obviously giving too much away? So, yeah, okay. So without saying too much away, um, you basically play a guy, just an average guy who comes home late from work one night and, you know, he's really tired. He's like, I'm going to go to bed. You go to bed and you hear this noise and you wake up and you can explore your house, you can explore the street outside. Um, you know, it's it's full of ambience, there's lots of like rain drop, there's rain coming down, um, you know, there's spooky sounds, all that sort of kind of, it's like late at night. And um, so you're walking around and um, you're just trying to find out where this noise is coming from. And uh, you don't really find anything, but if you do decide to explore, all I'll say is you might find an Easter egg or two. It's just like some scary stuff that might spook you, um, kind of just lingering in the background that you might not notice at first. Um, so you, you dismiss it, you go back to bed and you wake up and basically throughout the course of one night, um, you are basically experiencing all of these like 
different well i say different you're experiencing this thing that's coming after you basically and it's basically killing off people that live in your neighborhood and it gets to the point where you're next and um yeah i'd say i don't want to give away the ending but um it's quite interesting sort of thing i'd say definitely play it's probably going to be no longer than 10 15 minutes in length but i think i'm onto something pretty good excellent excellent and um so yeah what where can where can we find this game where will it be released so it will be on my itch.io page so that's itch.io um and then obviously you know there's it's forward slash aram wise um so you can obviously download all my games from there they're all free um but uh yeah it's it's very exciting sort of thing for me as well because i think you know in terms of horror this is kind of like the reason that i got started in it because i wanted to make games that i wanted to play you know i love i love horror games i always just kind of felt that there wasn't like oh this would be cool as a game this would be cool as a game nobody's doing it sod it i'm gonna make it well, there you have it guys go make sure you go and download that game uh you you didn't mention this but i'll mention it for you there is an option to obviously like donate and stuff and i think aaron is very very talented so you should definitely go and donate a couple of just a couple of dollars pounds whatever you can afford um to, to put you. towards it because you know aaron puts a lot of effort into these games and there's a real passion there and um you know like i said i've played the games myself they're really good they're fun uh, I forget that I'm playing a friend of mine's game. Do you know what I mean? I, I just kind of play the game and it's fun. And that's, you know, obviously the principal point of why you play a game in the first place. <laughs> so go check it out. Um, moving forward. Yeah, you seem to have quite a focus on the horror genre. Not a bad thing at all. Uh, but do you have plans to kind of make games for different genres or are you going to just stick? Okay. All right. Yep. <laughs> what, what are you yeah, thinking? No. Um, so... One thing that you'll like, and if there's any people that are into games development out there, the one thing that you'll find very early on is that you just suddenly get this wave of ideas. Oh. And if I, when I log into Unreal Engine now, I sit there and I look and I go, hmm. and there's like, I think one, two, three, and this is my fourth. So I've got four projects kind of ongoing at the moment. One of which you know about, because obviously you are my leading man in it. Um, but, um, I'm also working on a cyberpunk shooter. Oh man, that's so um, cool. which, such a good uh, idea as well right now yeah, to be releasing yeah. a game like that. But anyway, please yep. go on. So uh, I'm doing uh, one of those and I'm also doing a complete comedy game, which does not take itself seriously. And it's called bathroom reviews. Yes, now, I remember this. um, the bathroom reviews game is uh, based on a video that I saw on YouTube that I just, I love this guy so much. He walks around in video games and he reviews their bathrooms in the video games, but his commentary is so like, it, it comes across so goddamn genuine. Yeah. <laughs> you can't help but laugh about it. And he reviews all the bathrooms from like Hitman. Uh, I think Crisis is in there. He does VR <laughs> bathrooms. Everything is in there. And I just, so funnily enough though, recently I, I, I messaged him and I said, I'm making a video game based on your videos. And he was just like, and he actually replied. He was like, no way. He was like, yeah, so he's going to be playing it on his channel when it's done. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah wow that's so, incredible yeah. <laughs> be able to interact with urinals taps uh toilets and there's going to be like uh like bathrooms from various different games that i love like silent hill and all that sort of but anyway you know it's just one of those really fun games you can just pick up 
and just kind of play and have a, a, a great time with. So, yeah. See, also, again, on the side note, this is why it, is, it pays off to be bold sometimes and just try. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, with, with this podcast, some of the people I've reached out to, I never thought they would, they would get back to me. Uh, there was one guy I, I, I interviewed. You might you may have seen this. He was he's a professional wrestler who was on uh, TLC's Cheapskates. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I just messaged him out of the blue. I I already did a reaction video on him. I thought it was kind of audacious to ask if he'd want to be on my podcast when I've kind of. Well, I was pretty tame, you know. I mean, yeah. I think Cody Ko and, and Noel Miller really tore him a new one whereas i was just more kind of like fair and, and stuff and yeah. i was you know uh yeah. but he agreed to be on it and you know that i think that a lot of the time people forget that you know when you're reaching out to people no matter how big they are you know they are still people and you mm-hmm. know they may say yes you know I, I, there's plenty of people i've reached out to that have said no that have ignored me <laughs> but you know you just got to keep trying and eventually people will and um yeah that guy that you mentioned um it's a fantastic idea. And I, it's, it's funny, again, on another side note, um, it's funny how, because I remember you telling me about this guy and how like everything else on his channel by comparison is just not as good. And it just mm. kind of makes me laugh because those videos blew up and you can never really know what will blow up on a YouTube channel, what yep. people are going to connect with. You know, like uh, right now, if you look at my channel and you look at the videos that have got the most views, it's just like random crap. It's like, like there's one video I did on, on like a UK sex ban where it's just, yeah, like, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> like seven minute vlog of me just saying, Oh, this is funny. isn't it? And like yeah. that has got close to 2000 views yet. All the stuff that I put my heart and soul into yeah. gets nothing. What is this YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So variety is the spice of life apparently. So but apparently just just make random crap and put minimal effort in and that will probably blow (laughs) (laughs) no but like for real like you gotta you gotta stick with stuff like that people like i mean one of the reasons i keep doing the podcast is that it seems to be received well so i mean i think i think it's always kind of makes sense to stick with stuff that a you're passionate about p b people kind of uh relate to and, and connect with and you know bringing it back to you that certainly is kind of the case with you know your games development and everything and you know in terms of the other questions that i have who are your main sources of inspiration um for the game development side of things yeah or it could be anything because you know you never know where your inspiration can come from um so i guess a lot of my inspiration in terms of things like audio music you've got things like marilyn manson um massive massive fan of that guy um movies that kind of like directors that inspire me um people i guess would be people like john carpenter um quentin tarantino uh robert rodriguez those are the kind of main three that i would probably say and then in terms of like game development side of things um so obviously you've got things like silent hill yeah. resident evil um you've got things like alone in the dark if you ever remember those games i wish they'd bring them back um you know i'm a i'm a i am a, obviously and i don't just mean this because they're my friends but this is the reason i got involved with them in the first place and you know i was attracted to them matt reeves is an amazing guy he's working on some great great stuff right now um you know vidas and abby those two 
<clears throat> with their sort of storytelling and Vidas's design, you know, they're those two are like a recipe for great things. So I, um, I'm, you know, greatly admire and, and, and am inspired by those guys. And obviously they helped me get started as well. Um, I like things like, um, you know, dead space. Those are really cool as well. You know, anything that's kind of got that really heavy atmosphere to it. Mm. Um, the amnesia series is a really great game for that as well. You know, heavy storytelling, lots of exploration, but just, just there's this whole creepy factor about the whole thing from start to finish. Um, and, uh, yeah, th those are the sort of games that inspire me. Um, in terms of like platformer ones, obviously, like I said, you know, I did a platformer. Crash Bandicoot, another mm. great game. You know, love Crash Bandicoot, Gex, Deep Cover Gecko. God, I haven't had that in years. Gex. Yes, one guy, yeah. So um, Abe's Exodus, those are all sort of like really sort of like heavily inspired games. I remember playing uh, Abe's Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. That was an old one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the perspective of, of being a games developer, are there any games that, I don't know, are popular or well-known that you just think are pure trash? Just, you know, crap. And maybe it's because, um, you know, of the storyline or maybe it's like actually how it's developed and like in-game engine and all that stuff. I guess one of the biggest kind of jokes that we have in terms of like our little group is... Silent Hill being one of our biggest inspirations and like one of the franchises that we love um, is so terrible these days. It's so bad. And I think mm. it's where Konami kind of got rid of the original team. They started outsourcing it to American uh, sort of companies. And, you know, while they're Americans, got nothing to do with it. But they obviously are people that kind of uh, maybe lack the original vision. You know, yeah. they kind of make it more mainstream. Um, it got lost heavily along the way. So those sort of later games, I would say, are really popular because they sold well. Obviously, it's Silent Hill. They're very well known, but they are just bad, bad games. Um, the same can be done said about The Last Dead Space, you know, those sort of things. Um, you know, Resident Evil, you know, before they sort of started doing the remakes and the, in their new Resident Evil engine, they started to lose their way. They became more of an action game. It kind of lost horror. Horror just went out the window and um it's just you know it's kind of disappointing when you take all of those franchises that you love and then they kind of just what did you do to them you know um so i would say that they're probably the, the biggest ones that I, I could think of that are just god awful it's weird how they do that as well i can think of movie series i mean obviously you mentioned like silent hill and stuff like the resident evil movie series is kind of the same deal you know like they try to do something different with it in fairness to them mm. but it's like the first couple were, were okay and then after that it just got kind of got a bit weird i don't know um and I, I think i think sometimes like there's different arguments you can make like either one they're just not really adhering to what the, the fan base wants and then trying to just do their own thing of what they think will sell or maybe they're pandering too much to the audience and they're not thinking about what might sell i don't know <laughs> it, it's hard to say but I always do find that interesting like when you when you have something that works and like you, you think of that expression of like if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing yeah. but sometimes yeah i mean even popular series like halo for example you know it, it was really really excellent in its like first three installments and then after that it's not to say it was bad but it, it just didn't compare to the original games 
yeah i think that had a lot to do with the the studio that took over from bungie mm. <clears throat> 343 industries i think they're called now um probably just finding their feet um yeah, because i noticed like some of the like more recent halo games have got progressively better so um but yeah i remember odst being one of the worst games i ever played it was it was um why was it so bad i never played it but i heard all the bad (laughs) it had a very it had a very messy non-linear story um it was a very dark game like i remember having to crank the brightness up way too much like it was just dark um they had a lot of i think celebrity sort of appearances in it um you know so so they had probably a lot riding on this one and it Mm. just kind of i think they tried to do too much with it instead of just let it be halo you know um so uh we'll see what the new ones are gonna come out like because i know that was already kind of coming under fire because it looks like ass but we'll uh we'll wait and see but interesting thing about the whole silent hill thing though is all these people doing remakes and making yeah. tons of money like capcom and resident evil are like literally killing it right now they're making bucket loads of money and um all these people literally clamoring for a remake of silent hill or even a new one i think it would take anything at this point because it's been years and they're just like nope nope and actually konomi replied to me on one of my tweets recently saying like hi aaron uh we don't actually have any plans to remake or remaster one of these right now and i was like so you don't like money <laughs> you know you're a business it's it's just it honestly baffles me i think it's because they focus too much on mobile games and uh. with in-app purchases these days you know they they make so much money that way so that's probably where their business focus is but yeah, I think but that, isn't that kind of the business model for console gaming as well and PC gaming? Because you still have you you always buy the content, you know, and then pretty much everything from that point onwards is downloadable content. Do you know what I mean? Like be it uh, DLC or like skins. I mean, the amount of money that games companies make on on skins. Do you know what I mean? Look at like a game like Fortnite. Do you know what I mean? people yeah, spend yeah, yeah. crazy amounts of money on these skins which I, I it baffles me but you know people will, will buy anything do you know what i mean to, to be unique. <laughs> and yeah, fair yeah. play um but yeah that that baffles me too on on that basis because while mobile gaming is, is huge don't get me wrong you know you could still stand to make tons of money on consoles and pc with the exact same model do you know what I, mean? mm-hmm. I just baff- i mean look how long gta 5 has gone like it, it, obviously there's jokes about you know like, oh, another bloody remaster or, or you know like yeah. another re another version of the same game but people still buy it and people still play yeah. it all these years yeah. later, and that's been around for what seven years Do well it I mean? came out on the ps3 and the xbox 360 didn't it like and you think that's it's lasted this will be its third generation that it goes into because it's getting the ps5 treatment and the xbox one series x treatment as well <laughs> yeah why didn't so, they just call it like Xbox 720 or something? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I Xbox think that was 2 the, or something. Just yeah, oh, yeah. baffles me, man. Baffles me. Anyway, <laughs> let's bring it back to you. What are your main goals and aspirations for your career in games development? So I think right now um, I'd like to be recognized um like if i ever wanted to progress this into like a proper full studio make triple a games um i'm I'm obviously going to need to study for that and looking at some of the criteria it doesn't look too bad 
Um, so there's a lot of courses out there that I could do, um, open university, those sort of things. Mm. Um, we're looking at about anywhere between three and five years. I feel like I could probably shave a little bit of that time off given, you know, the, the fact I've already almost been doing it for a year and I've obviously got the support there if I need it. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like the movie industry. Uh, I feel like it's also going to be one of those things. It's about more like who, you know, rather than what, you know, because there's so many different aspects to it. You could come in at like most levels you could just go in straight in at q a or you could do r d um you know and then just work your way up so um in terms of aspirations i think the next big step for me is to sort of kind of like get this kind of really nailed down so i can you know um give me a solid foundation and then what i would like to do is then obviously you know give myself a proper accredited um like a degree in it or something so i can yeah. actually like then I sort of apply for those sort of things um so that, that that's the that's the aspirations for it this is something that i enjoy doing quite a lot actually i don't think i've ever gotten a kick out of anything so much than this and yeah good for you man i'm happy to hear that <laughs> uh, this is a random one completely left field yeah. but i was interested in in your thoughts on this where do you think the future of indie games is likely to be headed in the sort of next let's say three to five years i think they're going to overtake major studios generally because they have a lot more freedom they don't mm. have the constraints i'd say as much as AAA studios in terms of budget they don't answer to a board of directors um you know they've got they, they literally just had their small teams they decide what they're going to do they make what they want to love um in fact i'm so confident about how indies are gonna sort of rise up that did you know nintendo actually gave over the rights to make a zelda game to an indie studio nintendo won't be holding it themselves wow <laughs> they're just because they're so impressed with this like little team of like people what they can do so they're gonna that's that's kind of what i'm trying to get at here is that mm. you shouldn't underestimate indie devs because they can do everything that the normal studios can but they just don't have 200 300 people and millions of dollars in budget you know you might be working with four or five people and you might only have a budget of ten thousand. you know yeah. but you can still come out with the same level of quality there's there literally is no difference between this whole triple a and indie stuff it's more to do with the what time do you have how skilled is the person that you've got in there yeah and that's pretty much it really yeah you make a solid point man i mean when i think about this sort of games that obviously like people like uh, youtubers like pewdiepie markiplier people like that have often stuck purely to indie games and when you look yeah. at the level of those even some of the games you've played on your channel as well like i've i've always kind of been pretty taken back by the quality of you know things like the graphics the in-game engine and stuff like as you say it is those constraints of of people if you have more people and a bigger budget you can do more with it with without you kind of you're limited but that's not to say that the game aren't still enjoyable I and mean, i've seen so many games that have such simple premises but look really entertaining like i remember just another tangent here but that game that you played on your channel long time ago where there's like a guy in a prison and he's like throwing a ball around and eating cookies oh, yeah, or something. Yeah. Right. Really simple, but like really enjoyable because of, you know, the atmosphere created and the, do you know what I mean? Like I feel, I feel like 
games games making making a good game is so much more about the thought that you put into the little details rather than oh this stunning backdrop or this stunning games engine or this or that do you know what i mean like you can have all that stuff and the game can still be trash like <laughs> it really comes yeah, down yeah, to yeah. like yeah like the thought that you put into it actually like is this enjoyable what will people get from this uh can this be expanded upon is there room for a sequel or a franchise like you know whatever but like often the answers to those questions come from like the root of like is the game just fun or not yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think a lot that's the problem with a lot of the bigger studios is there is too much of a focus on on graphics uh where it shouldn't be like graphics are great and stuff but like are we really that amazed by graphics anymore? Do you know what I mean? I think the last time I was amazed by graphics was the first time I saw Halo 3, which shows my age. But given that nothing at the time really came close, it was pretty like mind-blowing. Um, whereas now it's, it's kind of more of an expectation, really, isn't it? If you have a game that, like a major game that doesn't have those graphics, then it's like, oh, this is terrible. Whereas indie games get the pass because it's like, as you say, it's smaller teams, smaller budgets. You expect that, but yet the quality is still really high anyway. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. But um, mm -hmm. I was just curious for your thoughts since you actually are in the world now. This is your little... <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah, let's keep moving it forward. Completely different question here. I asked Jacko this question as well. But do you think you'll consider getting back into podcasting in the future, perhaps for like a game, gaming podcast or games development podcast? Because I remember when, when we kind of broke down the podcast and, you know, everyone did their own thing, uh, you were very like straight with it. You were like, I want to do other things. I'm not enjoying this anymore. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> and then obviously you started doing games development and I saw you smashing it so much at that. I was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. This is totally what you should be doing. But with that being said, and I, again, I said this to Jacko as well. I think that we all, you know, came together quite nicely. It was good chemistry. It worked really well. And from that side of things, we barely had to put any effort in, yeah. um, you know, like you were good, good at doing a podcast, being on a podcast. So I was curious that like, if, if you would actually consider doing something in in that field in games development because i think it would be interesting for example you know if like you matt and, and vidas did a thing together or, or whoever i don't know um that would be interesting to see so i'm just in curious whether you have interest in that or not so i think for me it would probably definitely be something i would consider doing and i also would you know i, I wanted to kind of i've been thinking about it i guess is is the short answer because mm. I also want to kind of do a bit more streaming as well, because I used to do that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still get new people join my Twitch channel, even though I haven't like done a stream in like two, two and a half months, you know, something. Wow. And it's, it's just one of those things where I think there's a lot that I could probably do and mm. show and get people to understand. And like, so for example, I could do things, Things like a podcast but it's more in the format of like a development log like what am I doing yeah. how did I do this you know what is the end result people could learn something from that you know it wouldn't necessarily be have a guest on there with me it might just be like mm. a, a podcast where I talk about that sort of the side of things um, likewise um, I've seen Matt do it before when he did a game jam he streamed the entire like game jam like when he worked he streamed and showed his process so that would no be something as well that I'd be looking at sort of getting into as well but I think, you know, if 
the whole thing works out well with um, Vidas Games, it would probably be a good idea because I think it's it's you know he's got such a huge fan base that yeah. it almost seems to me like it would be a very good idea that I, I know he's not much of a talker but I guess he wouldn't have to do much of the talking if he didn't want to. Um, I guess me and Abby could do that and we could talk about our process you know like how did this come about what did we do you know when did we do that um it's still kind of early days right now and i know obviously we've got a number of projects that we're working on um and we're just kind of trying to get them on one at a time i think once those are done and we can just sort of take the time and work on one game at a time then we could probably marry those two together so that then his patreon supporters people in the discord server they can probably just have access to these because like i said he has a good fan base and there's there's generally people in there that are always interested in what he's doing and what abby's doing so um i think it'd be good yeah, me me too. I think that'd be really interesting. I mean, some some of those th- those things that you mentioned there, I, I hadn't even thought of. Like the, that sounds really fascinating. Like seeing someone actually creating a game and the process of that, which actually brings me on to my next question. Like, talk to us a little bit about the process of of how you create a game or, or how you approach that. Like, what what are the I don't know the simple steps involved with that? Obviously, you said that it's not a simple process, but I'm just curious of the general approach. Yeah. So as much as like, okay, so in terms of structure, it will, you know, like anything, it starts with an idea and then you sort of like think about it, you jot it down. I have like a book that sits on my desk and I I kind of sketch ideas and I write down ideas. Um, And then if I feel like it's worth doing something, then I'll kind of run with it and I'll do like a, what I call like a small concept, nothing fantastic. Um, You know, something that's just like really slapdash put together, get the mechanics in place. Does it work? If yes, move on to, next stage um so in terms of that sort of process it's very linear like that the thing that that then tends to happen is that when you kind of agree to do this you go yeah i I like this you know i'm really good you you might and i'll take this game jam for an example i started off with this idea and i was just like yep yeah i'm gonna do this 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 and this and then i had this thought i was like oh what if i did this and I had this, and then you spend the next day completely derailing what you were originally doing because you just then had this other idea. And that's the great thing about game development. You just literally give birth to these ideas the minute you yeah. work in, you can go, oh, and I've got this really cool scene that happens in the game um, based on kind of that. That was never in my original plans, but I thought, damn, that's, that, that's awesome, you know, and I'm going to put that in there. And, you know, and then that's generally sort of how it works. And then in terms of making it, general processes, you know, do your scenes, do your levels, do your animations, do your modeling, in, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, I would work generally in sort of tangent with them. So if there's a particular scene that I'm working on and that scene needs a bit of music, then that music will go and get created. Um, you know, you don't kind of leave it, that sort of side of things. You just kind of want to get all of that done perfectly and then you kind of move on to the other things. Um, Things can go wrong as well, you know, like things like my most recent thing was (laughs) last night I packaged the game, which means basically like it's ready, here you go, and so you can play it just to make sure everything ran properly, and for some reason it was working in the editor, so when I pushed play and was testing the game inside the engine, it worked fine, everything was perfect, but then when a person was going to play it, you'd click start game, and then the menu would just reload, and you'd be like, okay start game and then the menu would reload (laughs) and no matter how many times you clicked it the menu would just keep reloading and i was like what in the world 
So anyway, I was working on this all day and then that happened. And then I think I, and then about 11 PM last night, I gave up. I was like, ugh. And then I got up at five o'clock this morning and I spent about 20 minutes on it. I went, oh, that's the issue. And I fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? How sometimes you just got to do that. Like I have that sometimes with my stuff where I'll be working on something and I don't know, I just hit like a sort of a brick wall. And then I just go, oh, fuck it, I'll, I'll just come back to it or, or whatever. And then the next day, boom, get it. Just, yeah. you know, staying off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, awesome. Well, let's talk uh, YouTube for a little bit. Um, cool. Before your main channel, which we're going to get to, you had a channel that had like some moderate success. And, and you kind of described it to me as, as kind of like a jokes place, meme kind of thing. I don't know, like you just testing youtube i don't know how else to put it but i i was kind of curious um i couldn't exactly remember what you'd said to me so i thought i we would just rehash it now sure. um why didn't you continue with that original channel because remember one of the videos got a lot of views if i recall mm. correctly yeah a lot of views yeah um so the main reason like long story short that i didn't continue it was the channel was with my brother uh-huh. and it was generally like a lot of work on my part like i had the uh the editing software i had the you know the ability to create and do other things that like a channel would want and um he he gave up so then i was kind of like uh you know i like it Mm. i like doing this so i might create something that's just me you know and i I, and then i would only upload once a week whereas the previous channel we would probably doing it like three, four, sometimes even five times a week. And um, we did this one video where we played the Siren Head game. Now, Siren Head now is like a massive deal. Like he's everywhere. He's become almost like pop culture. But back then when I played it, he was relatively unheard of, you know? So I played this game and for some reason, God knows why, um, I just did this what I would consider probably one of the first videos where I did a rather professional introduction um i didn't do any commentary i don't believe during the video and then yeah it just overnight and then it's just up and up and up and i think as of now it's like nearly like 40 something thousand views and that doesn't sound like a lot to some people but obviously you gotta think this was a channel that had less than a thousand subscribers so i was you know and it was like i think i can't remember what happened but it was something like I don't know, we, we just got to 100 subscribers or something silly like that. And then we did this video to say, oh, here's the 100 subscriber special, Siren Head. And then we woke up the next morning and it was like 300 subscribers. And we were like, holy crap. <laughs> and then wow. it went all the way up and we broke 1,000 subscribers like relatively quickly. And we were like, holy crap, you know. And then wow. um, it was all because of this one video. It was, it was ridiculous, you know? And then, um, so I've never been able to even come close to replicating those sort of figures. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like what you said at the beginning that, you know, you could spend five minutes on something and it gets like a ton of views or you could spend absolutely ages on something and, and and get nothing. You really don't know what's going to happen and what's going to, unless you've already got that, that sort of fan base. But I think it does go to show that obviously if you're maybe like really into doing YouTubing or you're into creating videos and stuff, um, you may want to sort of like, if you're having a particularly bad time where Mm. you're struggling because this isn't happening, don't give up because anything can change like overnight. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, 
you know, I've been doing YouTube properly now um, since I want to say the middle middle of last year, early last year. And uh, you know, you you've been there with me throughout all of it, so you know, like my ups and downs and stuff. And these days, I'm I'm much better um, with my attitude towards it. Like I've kind of just accepted now that you know things don't really perform the way you want them to. Um, so you have to kind of focus on, on, as you said, like doing what you love and, um, you know, that's not to say that none of my videos ever do well, but like it's relative. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been stuck on being under 500 subscribers for like, God knows how long. Um, you know, I have friends that have thousands who are doing really well. Uh, it, that's the tricky part. When you see other people around you, doing well and you're not going anywhere um it's difficult and obviously as you know I've, I've got like two channels now so i'm doing even more content and um that all evolved from from a conversation i had with you and jacko if you recall because um, i was producing so much but i needed a way to like structure and organize it and now i'm happy to say it's actually come into its own and it has its own kind of divide now it's a bit more structured um but yeah, like that hope, the waning hope of like, if things are going to do well, it, it, every now and again, it, it does get to me. But as you say, you just got to keep trying um, because, you know, I, I kind of see it like the lottery. Like, you know, if you just give up, then it just won't happen because you're just not doing yeah. it. Whereas if you're always putting content out, there's always a chance. Yes. So, yeah. Um, but as you say, it's so random. I mean, when I look at the stuff that I'm proudest of, often it's the stuff that doesn't do as well. But then I don't know, sometimes it's weird. Like for instance, I was looking up uh, just my analytics this morning and like some random vlog that I did, I don't know, in May, April about, I think I was at work stories from years ago, something like that. Retail stories. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that one actually. Yeah. yeah now it's doing well, but I remember when it first came out, it got like, 10 views if that and a lot of the time i've noticed this as well like stuff picks up over time you know yeah, as long as you yeah. yeah you put a lot of effort into like the things like the tags the thumbnails everything else in between they do pick up views and and like my focus is always in the now focus on what you're doing right now don't think about what happened six months ago three months ago like that's great be proud of it but focus on exactly what you're doing now and always make sure that it's it's excellent so like I mean, I would never approach anything with a half-assed attitude. I'll always put everything into it. But the way I see it is like, let's say you're listening to the podcast or you're watching the podcast and it's like your first time ever listening or watching it. If I would just be like, yeah, you know, welcome to, to another, another podcast. Like, you know, no one's going to care. No one's going to want that. Yeah. But if you come, and come into it and it's like good energy, well-produced, it's organized, whatever, and it's always the same, you know, that's going to be more enticing, I think. And um, basically, yeah, don't give up, put the effort in. <laughs> yeah. 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 But anyway, let's bring it back to you. Your current channel is kind of a showcase mostly for independent games. You have done series on there before, like the uh, Star Wars Jedi Order. Fallen yep. Order, is that right? Fallen Order, yeah. Fallen Order, Order, sorry. Okay, yeah. Which did really well. Um, but I always, and I said this to you, ages ago I, i've always thought that your independent games that you showcased have always been like the better episodes i feel because it's more interesting um you know obviously sometimes it will be like you've played 
uh, people like Vidas's games on there before, and that's really interesting because you can give yep. us a bit of a behind the scenes as well. Um, but yeah, in general, like they, indie games are always a bit more quirky, aren't they? But um, yep. I kind of, I guess, I, what I wanted to know with my next question is, you know, what are the future plans for this channel and and your your Twitch um, as well? Because I feel like that those are kind of they kind of come hand in hand. Obviously, a lot of the yep. time when you do your streams, you clip them and or you do the whole videos on YouTube and stuff. Um, and they're all, they're always look very professional on, on both. So I, I guess I kind of just want to know what the plans moving forward. Cause I've always thrown the idea at you of like, well, why don't you showcase your own games and like, you know, your friends games and you do showcase your friends games, but you don't showcase your own games, which has kind yeah. of always confused me, but or maybe, yeah. maybe it's a bit too weird to showcase. Your own <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> what are the plans? So um, Twitch is definitely going to be for hanging out, chilling out, streaming games, having fun, and doing what I mentioned earlier, showcasing my, I guess, like if I'm working on a game, like, hey, guys, come watch me, hang out, and ask me questions, whatever you want to do. 100%, I'm going I'm to be doing more Twitch, that sort of thing. In terms of Trial by Fire, I need to have a YouTube channel regardless yeah. um, because part of where we upload – uh, trailers and stuff like for our games and stuff you, ne- you need mm. a youtube channel so um i think the youtube side of things more of itself are going to probably be more centered around my music um and trailers for games and stuff i may do the occasional video and obviously if i do decide to do any of those devlog sort of things you'll probably be able to find them yes. there i would i would assume um i don't envision me doing more sort of games like gameplay games sort of thing like you know that sort of commentary where i do the games the last few videos that i kind of put out um have been videos that i've been sitting on for a while and i decided to just go you know what here's a gameplay video of some really interesting game i'm not going to talk during this one and then just let people enjoy the game and that sort of like give it a bit more immersion Hmm. so um but I think, yeah, for now, the YouTube side of things is probably going to change. I have obviously started the process of changing some of the banners and stuff like that on there so that, you know, it's a bit more reflective, you know, of that. Like, there's no more of like, oh, weekly gameplay videos and stuff like that because it's just not kind of <laughs> happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Twitch is where it's at. This is why I never, I never promise anything with, with, with mine. I mean, I don't know if it's the same for you with the creative process, but I, I always kind of go by, if the ideas come, you get videos. Like one of the reasons I post so much on both channels is just because, well, A, I have time and B, because the ideas come. But I have like a bank of ideas just sitting that I haven't done yet. Um, I guess keeping for a rainy day, like I will eventually do them, but I kind of see it like with the creative process, everyone's different. Everyone works in a different way. But as you say, sometimes you just, you know, you don't, don't either don't want to, or you're not feeling up to it or, or what it like. You've got to be in the right mood. Do you know what I mean? Like I would never yeah. do a video or a podcast on a day where I'm, I'm feeling bad, feeling miserable. Cause you know, it wouldn't be right. And, um, yeah, I just I just feel like a weird sense of pressure as well. When when like for instance, you know, when we did the TCJ podcast, yeah. like we set that it was every week, which 
isn't that bad. It's just once a week. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but for some reason, I just felt super stressed about it because <laughs> yeah. it had I think to come like out. That when you've got like a routine and you've got some sort of like structure, like we do this once a week, the weeks were just sort of like boom, they're there. Yeah. And it's like, oh Christ, really already? And I think that's why we sort of toyed with the idea of going. You know what? Why don't we do like we'll spend a couple of hours, or you know, yeah. and we'll do we'll get two episodes out of this in case we want a week off because obviously you had your channel. I had my channel, Jacko yeah, had his yeah, channel yeah. and you probably felt like, you know, and obviously with Jacko doing a lot of the editing, it was one of those things where we probably felt like, um, it was us like, when am I going to get time to do my own content? Because we had such a quick turnaround on these things that it was almost like you had the weekend almost to edit it and get ready for the clip on the Monday. And then it was going out on, or was it the, the clip would come out and then you'd also had the full episode as well. So I can understand, you know, why there would be a lot of pressure of those sort of things. Absolutely. I mean, like I have to say for anyone that is, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but anyone that is considering starting a podcast, just beware that uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> and like, it, it's really not just you. I mean, I suppose you can make it really simple, but if you really want to like put the effort in, you, you, you got to do a lot of work. Like right now, I don't have a team behind me. Everything that you see, be it social media clips, you know where whatever you see it's all me and it takes time and you got to yeah. put time aside for that and obviously yeah like when you're doing a group situation where everyone has their own youtubes plus a group thing um your own stuff kind of you know gets left behind and that was really the case for jacko and we said that when we when we did a pod together that you know his his stuff took a side seat which wasn't fair for him mm. and um yeah i mean you know, I often said when, when we were doing the pod together that I think the bigger you go and if you're going for a schedule and you're going for all of these things and you have other things on the side that you're, you're working on that are equally as important, you really need like a team behind you. Like I've often thought with my podcast, I could save a lot of time and everything if I had a team, but that's like more of a future consideration. I think that like in the beginning, like when you're starting out, you really have to do like everything yourself and, and put the work in and like work your way to the top kind of thing. Like work your way to the, I mean, like when you look at like groups like the Sidemen, for instance, you'll notice that they have like, you know, their own camera teams and everything. And, but they didn't start out that way when they first started, it was just them doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the reality. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when they're first getting into YouTube or podcasting or whatever, like they, you know, they see the amount of work that actually is involved and then their heart's not in it and they don't stick with it. You know, I remember when I first started my podcast, I, once I realized like, okay, we have a rhythm now, this is what's involved. Am I going to keep doing this? And I'm like, do you know what? I love interviewing people. I love getting to know people. I love talking in this, this manner, you know? Um, so yeah, I will keep doing it. But that, and that's the, the important thing is you got to be, willing to put the work in at all times yes. <laughs> so i suppose you've got to be really passionate about it which is again bringing it back to you why i'm so proud of you for doing what you've done with games development because i think it's Thanks, really good to be like passionate about what you do and, and fully invested in it and that's reflective in in your work i think um also just just this is a completely different left field question <laughs> when i was writing this i i found this funny so uh you're a family man I was going to write family guy for some reason. I was yeah. like, he's a family <laughs> guy. 
no um obviously i don't want to go into too personal but i do i do think that this is amazing it did blow me and jacko away when we first found out about this so you're married with kids um you know full-time work and everything obviously your life has changed a lot over this past year now you're doing games development full-time but it blows my mind that you're able to to manage all of this stuff how on earth do you find the time to do all of this like just how (laughs) what's the secret (laughs) i guess there's no real secret i mean um i was very fortunate enough in my early life to have a very good job um when i met my wife you know we'd saved and saved we bought air bought a house oh congrats um you know we saved money and um it was just one of those things where we were like oh you know she knows me um I want to do something with my life. You know, I want to make stuff that people aren't going to be like, not necessarily remembered for, but you know, um, it's just one of those things. I, it's where I, I kind of made the decision to go, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to study something. I want to learn something new, um, something meaningful. So at the moment, obviously I'm just putting my heart and soul into this mm. and I'm living off savings that we'd saved up for a few years. Obviously we had the house anyway, um so um i guess it's just one of those things where like i said i'm I'm in a fortunate position that i'm now a stay-at-home dad but i also get to kind of work from home if that makes sense you know some people might not call it work but um you know it's it's part of you know building myself up and you know doing those sort of things so I, i i do pretty much the school runs now you know i watch my 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 youngest daughter ava who's two during the day um when she has a nap I, you know i'll do some work i'll do work in the evenings i'll get up at five in the morning i'll do some work in the morning before everyone else gets up my wife works part-time you know so she brings in a little bit of money that helps you know with with you know taking the burden off of savings and stuff but it's all you know what i mean it's, it's good because she comes home now she doesn't have to do anything it's already done when she gets home so it's just it just works i guess and obviously with with the pandemic sort of thing i don't have any want or need to go out anywhere <laughs> i just i'm safe in my house <laughs> yeah. hey fair play mate well done yeah. well done um yeah let's let's move it forward what, what are the biggest challenges involved with games development um i'd say the biggest sort of challenge in games development is you know, is, is going to be the person that's actually making them. I'd say that nine times out of 10, whenever I've started making a game, you know, um, the, the biggest challenge is, you know, is, is, is me, you know, and I'm not sure if it's going to be the same sort of thing for everyone, but you kind of, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, like you'll start making something after you've sort of cemented plans and you go, Oh, you know, I don't like that or something doesn't work the way you want it to. And then you have to sort of like shelf it or um, just completely restart, you know, from scratch. I've had to restart projects from scratch a couple of times. Well, it's a couple of times, a few fair t- few times now until you kind of get it right on perfect. And that can be very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say time is any sort of challenge because obviously when you kind of work, like I said earlier, you've got really no sort of time constraints. I think a lot of the time when you kind of get into game development, you have some sort of passion or, you know, interest in games in general. I mean, if you didn't, then... It's kind of weird, right? But there's probably a lot of things that you've experienced when playing games that you think, oh, how cool would that be to do? And then you can't quite get it right or you want to do something. 
And the way that sort of AAA is moving that's different to indie studios is they do a lot of motion capture and stuff like that, you know, so they can get these really realistic looking animations, characters interact with everyone. They've got that whole 3D scanning thing. And, you know, that's it's very, very expensive. So those sort of big extravagant set pieces are very sort of hard to kind of do in indie games, you know, mm. or they require a, like a lot of time. You might spend months working on just like one scene of your game and, you know, and then it doesn't even look even remotely close to what you were trying to do. So it can be quite frustrating in that sort of thing. Like you have these big, grand, ambitious ideas and they just don't pan out and you can kind of get a lot, you know, really demotivated by that. But you just got to keep going, keep learning, keep doing these things. There's some really talented indie devs out there that are like just complete solo people that are making some really, really extravagant stuff that you would you would look at and you'd go, you know, that's a PS5 game or that's this game or this is a, you know, this come from a really talented studio and it's like, nope, it's one guy. And um, yeah, it's really cool. Thanks for sharing, man. Uh, yes, same, same question, but what are the biggest challenges involved with running a successful Twitch stream? Because obviously you've made it to Twitch affiliate. Something that has eluded me Ever since I started in March, just I can't get it for some reason. <laughs> but you've done it. Um, uh, but more importantly, it's not just about the numbers. It's more about, you know, yeah. the content you put forward and the community and everything. So, so what would you say are the biggest challenges involved with, with, with um, making it successful? Yeah. Um, so I'd say the biggest challenge with making it successful, and I remember talking to a couple of people about this, is um, you may sort of start off thinking you can just stream whatever the hell you want to stream and people are going to swing by right um there's a there's a website that i use called twitch strike and it basically tells you what the top five percent are playing huh. and generally everyone at the moment is playing among us yes because you know what i mean it's like this game came out in 2018 while well, all of a sudden is it interesting now you know <laughs> i yeah, played it back in the day yeah, I played it back in the day, you know, and it's like one of those things. So anyway. Has it changed um, at all in, in those? No, no, no. It's the same. Honestly, the guy still gives it away for free on iOS and Android. Wow. So like, you know, I bet he's kicking himself now. Yeah. But it's just, it's just that thing that um, as much as it pains me to say it, you, you have very little creative freedom, I feel like, on Twitch, if that's what your goal is yeah. at the beginning. You want to look at these sort of obscure games that maybe not really anybody's playing, and you start with those because they're the ones that don't really have an audience. So when people go and they go, oh, what's this? And then they watch. You know, if someone's playing Among Us and you're streaming Among Us, you are probably not going to get very far at all because, you know, they've got people like Jack Jacksepticeye, PewDiePie, Markiplier, all the big boys are playing it. John Wolf, you know, those sort of people are playing it. So, so trust me, don't, don't even bother. <laughs> right. So look at Twitch strike. It will basically tell you what to stream and to just sort of like make a success out of it. Um, with me, it was classic retro games is what kind of got me so quick to Twitch affiliate, you know, and, um, that's what I'm doing. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the biggest, but the biggest thing as well, which, which I learned in terms of like, if you want a recipe for success is networking, mm. join a bunch of people, join some servers, people that love to stream, hang out with them, get to know them. If they've got a really good community, that community, you know, and you, you get from, uh, you know, in with them, they'll come and they'll watch you and stuff. I remember, you know, one of my more successful streams. Um, uh, what was it? I got like 
I don't know how many views it was at this like live people chanting me. I just couldn't keep up, but it was somewhere. It was, it was like nearly 50 something people, you know, oh, wow. that was, that was watching sort of thing. And that pushed my average through the roof, you know, and, and got me there. I'd say my average was already good and I would have made affiliate without it, but it was one of those things that kind of like really pushed it over because the next step to Twitch partner is like, you have to have an average of 75 views. So it's, it's like really, really hard. And that's when mm. you get like the big, the big money checks from Twitch themselves, you know, instead of just the donations from affiliate. But if it's something you're interested in, definitely community building is one of the biggest things I could, I would suggest you do, you know, Twitch is definitely becoming one of those platforms where there's just so much going for it right now. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways that you could interact with people, you know, that you like and um, yeah, uh, definitely go for that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're right about that as well. I've had like a few instances. I had one recently where, um, cause I, I do a lot of like classic retro Pokemon stuff and like yeah. retro just in general, that's kind of my thing. And, um, I was just doing a let's play series, uh, which I'm still doing. And, um, yeah, one day just randomly got raided and got like yes. up to about 30 people. Uh, it pushed my average up, but then I had to work cause I hadn't streamed in so long yeah. Uh, on the hours and the days and stuff so i'm trying to stream as much as i can now and and, and mm -hmm. being consistent and yeah because Rates i felt great for that sort of thing yeah like i felt like i wasn't really i couldn't really claim to be a streamer anymore because i took a like a close to two month break mm -hmm. um but when i came back i wanted to like i had a vision and, and now I'm, I'm doing it regularly and enjoying it but i will say that um it is very tough when you're starting out like i i I've, I think I've done somewhere in the region of like 100, 150 streams since March or so. Um, I think about 100 of which, give or take, maybe a bit less, are actually documented on YouTube. But um, basically the point being that many of the, the majority of them are like one viewer or nothing. Um, but everyone that I've spoken to, all the top, streamers seem to say the same thing that you know that's how you start and you just have to roll with it and keep trying and keep trying keep trying and never give up but um i mean i, th I think it helps if if you kind of you know you have a plan for it like for me i always you know put my stuff on my second channel um as gaming content because my second channel is now gaming and uh vlogs uh just you know yeah. and um that works and so I'm not as bothered now if, you know, I don't get anyone in the stream because I just focus on making the video for YouTube, um, <laughs> which works. And then, um, yeah, you know, um, if people join, great. It gets really good. If they don't, no worries. <laughs> yeah. The thing to bear in mind, though, is that when you do make affiliate, yeah, you won't be able to put them on YouTube. Really? Yeah, they'll take away your affiliation because when you're an affiliate, you are basically um, letting Twitch, they are the owner, they're, not really, they're like the exclusive provider of that video. The way they look at it is that you're that popular enough that it directs traffic to that website. Mm. So they don't want to take that traffic away. So if you're putting your stuff on YouTube as well, um, it's happened to a friend of mine, actually, he was streaming and putting the videos then on the Twitter and uh, they took his affiliation away. What about clips? Can you still do clips? Um... There's something you might have to look into. I wouldn't know, necessarily know about clips, but yeah, you have to, if you're putting the whole thing, as, as far as I'm, well, 
for a fact if you're putting the whole thing on there they will they will look at it and you're caught i guess you will they will take your affiliation away that's why when you also make affiliate you lose the ability to do multi-stream ah interesting yeah you must be able to do clips actually because i've seen all the major youtubers do it yeah you might you might be able to to do obviously if they're streaming to youtube i guess that they can probably put it on uh, on youtube but um unless it's somebody that's different and that's uploading it or you create a second channel or a, a youtube channel that's clearly not you if you see what i'm saying like put jacko's face on it on something like that and then just upload the clips <laughs> I don't know. well but, I, yeah, think, I, I would think that they would be okay with it because it's like driving traffic to the stream so it's like you know you watch the clips and you go to to watch the full streams on on twitch and to be fair yeah, you, you could probably put like the little thing in here like watch this full episode here you know yeah that i i would assume that clips yeah. are fine but the whole thing yeah is a definite no no i know that much yeah that's mad well, it's, it makes sense though i mean because right now obviously my, my full streams are obviously available on twitch as well i figured out how to finally do that <laughs> um but they're only available for like 14 days which is why i make them available on youtube but obviously if i make affiliate then um that's fine i'll just do clips on youtube which clips yeah. do better anyway i mean i think the the, the, the twitch streams it's more of a kind of like convenience factor for, for my it's more intended for my twitch viewers if they miss a stream they go to youtube but you know, since there's the 14 day rule, if I do have a regular audience, they're going to catch it on Twitch anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that was a bit <laughs> into tangent of my own crap. Um, <laughs> bring it back to you. So same question again, but uh, with YouTube, what are the biggest challenges involved with being a successful YouTube content creator? Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily know too much because obviously I wouldn't consider myself successful in that area. But I mean, you, you've, I, would, I think you've done pretty well on YouTube. Um, you know? I would say the challenges, um, especially now for me, is just finding the time to do it. You know, there's, yeah. there's so much other stuff that I that I want to do and that I'm excited to do, mm. and the determination and you know, I just kind of think about, do I want to do a video? Nah, makes me. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of thing um i get excited to make a video maybe about the game side of things like you know mm. oh i'm working on this you know here's a sneak peek that kind of thing that would probably be more of it but i would it's definitely the effort and the time that you put into these sort of things you know um no no you don't there's not like a recipe for success there's there's not like a template kind of thing that i follow i play a game i react to it you know sort of like live and then um you know you just kind of put it out into the wild it's it's just one of those things that i just find that it's so thing for me now it's not like demotivating but just thinking about the fact that i've then got to sort of like do the overlays um you know render it all do the tags oh my god the tags oh and then, i hate the tags <laughs> yeah yeah um that's, so, that's the worst part for me it's not even yeah. i don't mind clipping it you know, like the pop for instance if you take the podcast don't mind the clips you know it's kind of interesting to watch it back sometimes you're like oh yeah i missed that in, yeah. in the course of whatever but the the actual youtube uploading clip clipping uh just all that writing of stuff that's so tedious man yeah. Oh, I wish I could have yeah. someone do, do do that for me. <laughs> well, you know, I so I was going to say, I mean, there's there's things out there that can help you. Like, obviously, we we've probably spoken about this before, like Tube Buddy. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, and I think the, the premium service is two ninety nine a month. So, so for most people, it's probably not going to be like if it's if it's YouTube is like your bread and butter. You you know you really want to make it. It can help speed things up. Like there's a thing that is auto tagging, so it will yeah. just it like it, the AI watches your video and goes, oh here's the tags that you'll need to be successful, and it tells you how many hits those people you know sort of search for mm. so um you know there's there's really cool easy one and you literally then just click the tag and it automatically pastes it in so it's literally just a few button clicks i think i've already got um, that but for the free version cause... yeah i've got the, it gives you three tags for free yeah yeah, yeah. um but tube buddies is probably a good idea if, if anyone's interested in sort of thing like that but i don't do it purely because again like i said it's just the whole motivation sort of thing for yeah. me right now it's just it's just not there kind of thing you know and um i i feel like you know as much as i do love indie games and you know like you said earlier i played a lot of vidas's games now that i'm kind of working on those games with him there's really no point in me playing them because what would i react to i'd be like oh this bit's coming up you know and it's <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. that's again one of the reasons why i asked you before about where your youtube is headed because i felt like once you started doing the games development yeah your, your youtube's gonna shift then i mean because yeah, it needs to change as you said, like time is everything. Like I found now with what I do that there is certain amount of time for certain things. And yeah, I could do way more if I wanted to, but I think that, you know, there is such a thing as like overkill and um, you know, you, you've got to pay attention to that. And now, now for instance, with my main channel and second channel, just to give a quick example, like it's like podcast is the week by week stuff. And then, you know, extras, um, sometimes in a week, but mostly on weekends. So there's like a natural kind of, do you know what I mean? And like, for instance, on my main channel, I don't think I've, I've got an upload for the next like three or four days. But for the first time, I wasn't worried about that. I was like, do you know what? There's enough, there's enough on here. It's, it's fine. There's no need to get concerned about this. And yeah. on the side note, um, this is one of the reasons why it's cool to have two channels. Because if you feel like, oh, I'm not uploading enough, but I really want to upload, dump it on the second channel. <laughs> just dump it on the second channel have like treat your second channel as like like treat it seriously but treat it as like a kind of you know like i just put it where the fuck i want here <laughs> the main channel is like premium content <laughs> i don't know that's that's the way i kind of see it but, uh, <laughs> but I, you know I, I, it's funny actually i remarked in um one of my videos recently that i even bothered to do like a thumbnail for one of my second channel videos and i never normally bother <laughs> but it's like i don't know i i think the the time factor is way more important than people realize and you know yeah. um i've often thought about how everyone does a lot when they first start out but as they get more and more successful they have less and less time and you know like commitments take up certain things and so your time your time is is always being compromised just by life so you've got to with youtube you've got to always be adapting evolving and, and stuff but with that being said i suppose it depends because i see people like pewdiepie i mean fuck he uploads more than i do i mean i know he's probably got a team doing it for him but like yeah, yeah. even so like you know maybe they're doing the clips and stuff for him but he's still streaming like every day uh doing multiple things and it baffles my mind because a lot of the time you know i'm uploading on two channels sometimes twice a day or more uh, which is just how it happens sometimes, but it's like, I don't know. I, I suppose it depends on the work ethic of the person really and, and what they're doing. And yeah, it really depends. Everyone, everyone's so different. <laughs>
but yeah um thanks thanks very much for sharing that man i, I do appreciate no, it drawing everything to a close for today uh, as a final question do you have other than the projects you've already discussed any <clears> other <throat> upcoming projects or maybe some final thoughts that you'd like to share with us mm, i'd say the only sort of upcoming projects that i would have that's not <clears throat> game <clears throat> god my throat um game development sort of derived is um i probably got a second album coming out that will be Ooh. going on soundcloud <clears throat> and that'll be like a mixture of all the different sort of music i've been making over the last few months for like games and stuff and so yeah a lot of unheard of stuff that will be going on there so yeah excellent um, yeah because your first one um first album was kind of like an oh, i don't know how to describe it. kind of like 80s kind of trance yeah. yeah retro wave yeah, yeah i love that kind of music and i loved it straight away i was like this is excellent um but yeah then you didn't do anything for ages and i was like well it's just time but yeah that's that's yeah. good that's good to hear man i can't wait to hear and it makes sense as well for what you're doing like having your gaming music because i imagine yeah. you'll you'll do more and more of those as, as time sort of progresses and obviously if, if certain games take off then people are going to want to hear like and have the soundtracks because often the soundtrack kind of is the game or you know what i mean like for instance your your most recent game uh, hell's gate right off the bat has some like really excellent like heavy metal music and it's like immediately sets the tone for it <laughs> yeah music's yeah. important thanks man well listen thank you very much for agreeing to be on the podcast i'm glad to finally have you um because I've, I've been trying to get you and jack on here for so long uh, yeah. i've been trying to do this video with you just I think since we met, to be honest, once I found out you did all this cool stuff, I was like, I got to do something with this guy. So it's finally um, good to, to, to kind of explore everything in detail. And, um, and obviously just to talk to you again in, in general, it's nice to see you and see that you're doing well. Yeah, you too. So um, yeah, thank you very much for being on the podcast and to everyone watching or listening to the Christian Reef podcast. I do hope you're enjoying it so far. As always, I say, if you'd like to appear on the podcast as a guest or, you know, if you'd like to suggest some sort of topic that you'd like to hear, let me know. You know, we're on Twitter. We're, you know, not just on um, my personal accounts, but we now have official Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts everything <laughs> a discord we have a discord now um so yeah let me know if you're interested in that if you've got ideas let me know just throw it my way i'm all ears i would love to know and uh, yeah thank you very much for listening and until next time peace out one love i'll see you in the next one